All right, welcome back to the Ship Chasing Mini-Sode series. We kicked this off with our first episode talking some high-level strategy for the contest and then looking at our decisions at the one-two turn. You guys heard us debating some of those. Spoiler alert here, we did end up taking A.J. Brown and then C.D. Lamb comes back around to us. We were pretty interested in Amon Ross St. Brown as well. That doesn't happen, but we happily scoop up A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb. And now we are on the clock, literally on the clock this time at 3.11. We we see the quarterbacks come off the board, Josh Jacobs, Keenan Allen, TJ Hawkinson. Um, how are you guys feeling about this spot here? Well, there was a potential for a nice falling value, um, and we didn't really get that. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but um, we did get the two guys we were debating at the one-two turn. <laughs> Both of them, so that was pretty sweet. Um, yeah. To, to recap that, we got AJ Brown and then CD Lamb on the wrap. So I can't, uh, you know, we can't complain too much after a pretty sweet uh, first two rounds. Yeah, and I so I agree with you. We don't really get a great falling, but I mean, like the the fact that like Hawkinson or Jacobs with the holdout risk almost made it back, which is pretty exciting. Um, I guess sort of just jumping ahead to where we want to go with it. I mean. In the last 17 picks, there's only been four receivers. There's only been two receivers through the third round. We're in F FFPC rooms now, right? We got we got some QBs going. Lamar ends up going in the third. We had talked a little bit about taking Andrews early to try to take Lamar. It's not the Andrews drafter who takes Lamar. The Andrews drafter takes Allen, and then Lamar goes to pick after. But mm -hmm. we, if we had taken Andrews, we wouldn't have been able to get Lamar back. Mm -hmm. It's very much our type of situation where like yeah it's easy to piss yellow now like when all this stuff happens four four receivers in the last 17 picks and so the guy that that i'm kind of fixated on with this pick and we talked a little bit i think even on our one two turn about um keenan and debo being guys that we like to the three four turn keenan goes but debo samuel is one and he's a i think a really similar play to what pat made a really good case on aj brown that eventually got me around to it and i mean sort of funny, but like I kind of needed to be sold on AJ Brown, but I, I have this mindset of like, I want to hit a home run on every pick. And Pete, you use this terminology a lot on your streams about like just sometimes taking the single. And what Pat's point was when we re recorded our first mini was like AJ Brown's had a 2.5 yards per hour run four straight years. Like he's not a single. If I don't, if I'm even right that he can't hit a home run from that ADP, he's still like a guaranteed triple. Right. And Debo Samuel sort of similar when you look at his long-term I mean, last year was a down year, but I mean, I just, it's a similar bet in the sense of like, I just think if you start with AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Debo Samuel, you're starting with three really good football players. There's offensive concerns through all three of those in terms of like actual ceilings, but man, like that's, that's three really guys that I'm very confident are very good football players. Yeah. And do, are we all in agreement real quick though, just that this pick is for sure a wide receiver. I mean, I just tabbed through on the command center for those of you guys who are seeing the video version. I mean, can you do that slower? But because uh, yeah. I want to see this, what you're saying. Yeah. So, so quarterbacks, um, just to rule out Burrow, Fields, Herbert, um, nothing yeah, there. I think we with can rule that out. AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb. Running back, you have Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, ETN, Aaron Jones, Walker. I believe Gibbs would have been the one name we would have considered. Mm -hmm at this spot and he goes at the two, three turn. Right. Um, I get, yeah. I guess we could entertain ETN, but it still seems a little early based on his ADP. And then just to do the tight end stuff, we didn't get the Andrews that we talked about. You do have Kittle and Pitts, 
it puts us in an interesting spot because even coming back around in the beginning of the fourth, they would be reaches by ADP. However, they are definitely not coming back to 511. And so that's really the big decision. And then it just gets you back to wide receiver, at least with this pick for sure. Wide receiver. I think I think wide receiver. Yeah, I think the big case that could be made is I think you could DK Metcalf has fallen here, and we see well, him go ahead of Debo. And I don't have a lot of DK Metcalf. Um, <coughs> I, don't, I don't take him much. I do tend to take him over Debo Samuel because um, he's just Debo's often here, and DK's rarely here is really what it just comes down to. So building out a best ball portfolio, I'm like I'll take my DK when I get my chance. But in order for me to take DK. Everyone except Keenan Allen has to be off the board. Like I, I'm not really that into him. I don't take him until I feel like like I'm willing to take him as the first wide receiver of this post T Higgins tier, but really only because the market likes him so much. Um, so I guess what I would say is if we are planning on going wide receiver, wide receiver here, then I would say we should at least talk through DK Metcalf because Debo mm-hmm. Samuel's more like to make more likely to make it back. So it's sort of like, what's the, who's our, who's our backup wide receiver to Debo Samuel? How big is that gap? Does that make it worth gambling to try to get both DK Metcalf and DK uh, Debo Samuel? And, and how big is the gap between Debo and DK for you guys? I think that does make, what makes this hard for me is I have Debo ahead of Metcalf, but I do have these guys kind of like in a similar tier, but then after Debo, I would be Metcalf over Ridley, Amari, Judy, probably in that range. I've been very scared of Metcalf's prices in underdog in the early third. I am very worried about what JSN is going to do to him. But like you're saying, you are getting a nice discount here. And it makes it hard because it's this, It's almost like the Amon Ross St. Brown problem from the one-two turn, right? Where we really like him, but we thought, can we play the ADP game and get two guys we really like? Um, I have a feeling if we go Debo here, DK Metcalf gets snapped up. If we go DK Metcalf and Debo gets snapped up, now all of a sudden we didn't get our preferred player and right. we're getting a secondary non-preferred player after that. Yeah, that's that's the really tricky element. Is like you, The last thing you'd want to do is not take your preferred player and then have Debo go. I understand trying to play for Debo. The DK thing that I would ask, I, I haven't been taking him a lot in underdog either. I, I, I've heard both of you guys make that case. I've not I've yet to talk to a lot of people who like his price. I, I think when you're building an underdog portfolio, this is a great example of one where when he falls, you take a little bit of him because you're like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm building a huge portfolio. These are cheap drafts. Like, I'm going to get some of him. But, like, where do we actually think he should go? Because I think with JSN, like, he's mispriced by, like, a a solid round. I think I would have Debo ahead of him as well, straight up. I think it's a pretty significant misprice by the market, which is largely because, and we see in this draft, once T. Higgins goes off the board, there's not really a clear wide receiver 15, right? And so it's been Mm -hmm. Debo all offseason in this draft. The way that the high-stakes drafters responded was seven straight non-wide receiver picks, and then Keenan Allen goes late third. But Debo, I mean, DK has been filling that in, in best ball and, and consistently sitting there. And he's not going to fall too far from there because when he does start to fall in an individual draft, people just scoop him up from structural reasons. Yeah, they want to get some exposure, whatever. I, I do feel like his – I would way rather be open to taking like a JSN later and not feeling like I'm, you know, over – well, I mean, we could, we could obviously double stack Seattle, but you're less likely to do that in – and manage then you know obviously an underdog it's like an easy click to to, to 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 like stack up an offense but 
we might not want to necessarily do that. I would rather play Seattle through the cheaper pieces is sort of the way that I would put it. That's kind of stealing that from Sean Siegel. That's the way he usually puts that stuff. Um, To me, it's just like, I don't see how Debo makes sense in the third round, even as he's behind ADP. I do agree that like, you know, from a value perspective and a structural build perspective, this gives us something unique at least. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point that his ADP is like so egregious that it's actually keeping his ADP in place because, yeah, I take him at the top of this wide receiver tier, not because I like him the most, but because he's often taken ahead of Brees Hall and Ramondre Stevenson and Mark Andrews, and I'm like not taking him ahead of those guys. So, yeah, <laughs> I end up like taking him earlier than even I think he should go. I mean, I, I would take Keenan Allen over him. I like Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin more than him. Like that's, you know, like – and that feels kind of gross to say, but I mean, McLaurin is, I think, the clear number one on an offense that's going to be more concentrated than the Seahawks will be now. Like, I, I think JSN is a really good prospect. I think he's right. going to carve out a role very quickly, very quickly, meaning at some point this season, he'll have a meaningful role that's going to hurt Metcalf some. So, and in some of my stuff, Lockett comes out as the higher, um, is the better bet. Now, I, I think. I don't think he's the better bet because I think he is more at risk of JSN uh, than Metcalf, like in, just in terms of routes and stuff. But like, if you just look at the efficiency stuff, I mean, uh, it's a big premium you're paying for Metcalf over Lockett. Um, so I guess I, I don't, I'm not going to pound the table for us scooping the value here. <laughs> I just, I do think we should at least talk it through um, because yeah. Metcalf sitting at the top of the, the applet, and then it's Najee Harris, Calvin Ridley, Joe Mixon, Amari Cooper, and then Debo. So it feels at least 50-50 that we would get Debo. Um, but I, I, I do like say, Debo more than Metcalf for sure. Just like literally just now, like everyone, even in the ship chasing discord, they're talking about this Debo quote that went out to where, again, not that this should change anything, but I do feel obligated to read this, pull up this Schefter thing, which is very funny. But the point is, is that Debo is going to be talked about and on everyone's mind. 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel has been determined to prove to head coach Kyle Shanahan and others he will be better prepared this season. Never had a grown man sent me so many pictures of himself with his shirt off, but he looked good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's one of the best uh, quotes of the offseason, right? There. I mean, yeah. We're taking Debo, good. right? That's, I know <laughs> yeah, we're not going to let that quote affect us, but we are taking Debo Samuel now, right? I mean, now, it, that, now that we've read that. It, so to me, like, if we all feel similarly that there's other guys we can make cases for over Metcalf, even with Debo off the board, like, to me, that just pushes us. Like, we take Debo here. If the room gives us DK Metcalf on a silver platter at 4-2, we say thank you. And we move mm-hmm. on. And if not, we talk through McLaurin, Judy, whatever other wide receivers we think can hang or with him. Part of the reason I kind of like taking the receiver we like is at 402, I do think that's where you could get into a Travis Etienne or a reach on a tight end discussion, at least. But mm. I don't think we we like necessarily have to go that way, but it does leave us open if like the turn goes receiver, receiver, maybe. Um, I guess I don't know who that would – I mean, it, it would leave Najee Harris as the guy on ADP, and I'm not going to make a case for Najee Harris. But, yeah. Um, but they could go receiver-receiver, and we could still feel okay, right? I mean – Yeah, we could. Depending right. on who those receivers are. I 
we should definitely do a mini so for that one because I don't I, I'm not as into Judy as you guys. I think maybe I'm more open to Ridley than you are. Um Cooper's a little bit gross. Well, based on our based on our scheduling and stuff, guys, and the fact that we'll probably be okay. on the clock like an hour after this, we need to have this conversation now. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> okay. Well, so to me, I would take Ridley. So wait, are we confirmed on Debo? I I'm a hundred percent Debo on this pick. We're all we all prefer Debo, I think, right? Yeah. Pat, even like I like Debo. Just- no, I like Debo. I just like Debo more. Like he's the guy I want. Um yeah. I don't know that we have enough cover to justify scooping DK. Like none of us can make that compelling. I mean, DK is really good, but target distribution, we don't expect them to be a ton of passing attempts there. Yeah. I don't know. Let's go. I just don't have the conviction. When you think about how it plays out too, with just how many ways they use Debo as like a Swiss army knife that too, like he's always going to be live for that big game. It was even during the FFPC playoff challenge. We talked why he was going to be such a popular pick yep. because people felt good about him. The scenarios were DK Metcalf. Yes. He's always going to be live for a big two touchdown game. Like he has that obviously in his arsenal, but if JSN is bearing down on him, how you feel about that in those clicks and putting him in your starting lineup toward the end of the season, especially could feel extremely it gross. Could be you're starting yeah. to say like the outs for Metcalf ceiling game. Yes, they're there, but they keep getting smaller and smaller where I feel like that ceiling for Debo is going to exist based on no matter what his teammates do. Essentially. I think that's really well put. So if we take Debo here, then we can talk through a little bit of contingency about what the turn does and where that leaves us. Pat, what, what case were you going to make? Well, I guess I probably be good to order the wide receivers going forward because I do think we can talk about ETN and and a big tight end reach. But the tight end reach, given that they're kind of all down at the far end of the board, it's not like a three four pick reach. It's like a big old reach, um, and we're gonna have drafts down there at that side of the board. Um, we're gonna be doing some non tight end premium drafts too, where we can maybe even scoop these guys like a real value. So. My big case, just on that, with this goes with the Debo over DK thing, is that I think right now we are at the start of a very flat tier, and that people are going to make those reaches. Mm. That's true. I do agree with super flat through this fourth. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Real quick, should I put this uh, Debo pick in, and maybe there's a chance this guy snap picks and makes this a little easier. Yeah, yeah. I'll put that in. Um, All right, yeah. So let's let's talk about it because I do think. If, if we consider a reach, to me, it's for the tight ends. You know, I think I'd feel much more comfortable with talking about Pitts or Kittle than I would ETN. So to me, it's kind of like a tight end reach versus our favorite of this very flat wide receiver tier. The biggest reason I want to think through it is what I talked about on Ship Chasing last night, and you guys have really sold me on the first couple, like I think it was two years ago, first couple times we did these drafts, even maybe last year, I don't think I fully internalized as well what your guys' point was, you guys have played FFPC a couple years longer than me about when you go without an anchor running back and without an anchor tight end, how you really wind up trying to hit both in the same rounds. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's it becomes really difficult to build structurally. It was tough for Pete, even though you had an anchor running back and an anchor tight end, it still kind of became tough because you went a bunch of receivers in a row after that point. So I think we have to talk through. Okay, what do we do at five? You're six? talking Pete's I, pros versus Joe's that that was last yes. night for us, not for not for the sorry, yeah, not for people <laughs> listening. For Pete's pros versus Joe's that was on the stream or uh, on the YouTube channel, um, I think we could talk through a little bit about if we did go wide receiver again, talk through a little bit about what we might want to do at five six because I think 
we might want to be running back there. I mean, I think there's some potential options, some J.K. Dobbins. Maybe even we were reaching on Javante Williams now that he hasn't started on, on PUP. Like, is that something you right guys back. would be open at the 5-6? Yeah. Um, so we we really like the 7-8 as well for potential receivers. Yep. Although um, we talked a little bit about JSN on the first mini-sode. Uh just since then, a couple days, I was talking to Sean a little bit, and in more recent ADP, Sean was telling me something that they have on FFPC. He's seeing JSN at 7.04, and I was like, okay, he's mm-hmm. probably not making it back to the 7.11. We were, towards the end of our, our first mini-soap conversation, he's skeptical that he would fall back to us at 7.11. I don't think that's probably likely, but that's still a decent receiver range at 7.8. The question uh, I'm, I'm long-windedly getting back to is, if we don't take a running back or a tight end here, Mm-hmm. Are we going like what? What are we setting ourselves up for? Five, six, seven, eight, and then in that range where we would have to hit a lot of zero RBs and tight end options in nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, you're definitely right. Like a guy like Dobbins will be there most likely in the early sixth. Um, you know, looking. I know it's not the same format, but I'm just looking at my. Can you show the um, yeah. FFPC command center board? Yeah, yeah. I can even show the. Oh, this is the grid here, but um. If I slide over, we can even see the um, the percentage chance that these guys are available in two picks here. Uh huh. Um, let me see uh, the full thing here. Um, so you do start to see, yeah, Dobbins thirty one percent chance. Um, but this ADP might be a little anchored before getting right. placed on pup. Um, yeah, he's probably more like fifty fifty right now. I do, I do hear your point. DeAndre then, Swift is maybe an option. We took AJ Brown. Yeah, I think just like how it plays out structurally, I do. Man, I do really think the tight end is is, is nice to have, uh, even as a reach. Because my whole thing mm. is like you saw the wide receivers that I was cranking last night, and like even then, is Judy. And, you know, Drake London and those guys, are they that different from that caliber wide receiver that right. will just happily double tap at the five, six turn, right? Probably the seven, eight. Turn. Are we already in a flat area of wide receiver where the, the difference, <clears throat> I think that's sort of what we were all saying with Debo is we can all see scenarios. Like this is a guy that was an early second round pick last year for a reason, had a tough year, but we can all see scenarios where he's above the, the rest of these guys. But the rest of the names at wide receiver on the board, you start to get into this range, and we can include Metcalf in this, I think, a little bit. Maybe he's above it. Maybe Ridley's above it. But it starts to get Mark to a feels strong that he's above it. I don't really personally, but I'm okay. yeah, yeah. I'm kind of willing to be like, okay, Mark. All the way, all the way down to Pete's point to the guys we could get at five, six, like a, a Chris Godwin, maybe, or you know, who like I think it's a it's a pretty flat group. You know? See, see all these guys, the percentage chance of over 50 at that next pick. Uh Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, Mike Williams, Ayuk, uh Tony's Dunzo. I, I do Mark see a bit of a tier break. I see my view on it is there's sort of a tier break after Higgins, and that 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 tier sort of ends around Christian Kirk and Brandon Ayuk or slightly before that. And then maybe they kick off a tier that then includes Godwin and Lockett and Marquise Brown and, and Deontay Johnson. I'm not quite as high on, on Godwin as you guys, but I mean, do you like, to me, he's not in the same tier as Drake London. Like Drake London has, I think quite a bit more upside. Um, He's easily in the same tier to me. So yeah, that's just a difference of opinion there. Um. 
but yeah, I think I think we all agree though that we would like a couple wide receivers there at that five six turn. Um, yeah, although God. I guess I don't. I mean, I would probably per- personally prefer the two v twos of, you know, um, like Ridley and Swift versus ETN and Godwin or something. Like, I think I probably. Maybe but what about tight end? Are Are you pretty out on tight end here at four or two? No, that's what I. Th- I'm more. I'm more open to that because okay. with the tight end premium, you know, all of a sudden Pitts starts to look like, you know, he's scoring like these wide receivers. He gives us the positional advantage. We can make up that wide receiver scoring or even come close to make up the wide receiver scoring. Um, I, That's probably – that's a win for us if, if we hit on pits. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, again, to the point I was making earlier about how you sold me on A.J. Brown, I feel like our first three receivers do feel more like triples than home runs. Pitts could be the home run. You know what I mean? Like he feels like a home run pick. It's, it's a way above ADP, but – if he hits, he hits. I still firmly believe that Kyle Pitts has overall tight end one in his range of outcomes. That probably requires Travis Kelsey to fall off and miss a little bit of time. But like, I firmly believe he can outscore the rest of the position pretty, uh, you know, in his ceiling cases. Obviously, Andrews is also very good. We've been talking very favorably about him on recent shows, but um, it, it kind of requires a down a down season for those two. But I think Pitts right behind them as far as ceiling cases. Um, Yeah, I mean, Pitts, he had a lot of really kind of hopeful stuff in his profile. He he missed a lot of – there was like a high percentage of his deep targets were uncatchable, um, which has been – that's something I'm citing badly from various people putting out on Twitter, um, so I don't remember the exact percentage. But um, he had a really high targets per route run, uh, 26.5%. That's, that's awesome. You know, uh, he is – a deep threat. He had a 13.7 a dot last year. I mean, that's high for a wide receiver. Uh, he spent 34% of his snaps out wide as a rookie, 28% last year. That's really high for a tight end. I mean, he's still like, he, he is who we thought he was. You know, he doesn't get yeah. open as easily as I was hoping. His open score didn't, wasn't that great. I think he might be more of like a, like a T Higginsy type wide receiver. Um, separation might not be like, but like, yeah. but like with athleticism and, and we're getting tight end eligibility, right? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, mean, if he Higgins had tight end eligibility and was on the foul, yeah. I think we'd be we'd pretty be jumping over our head. Yeah. yeah. So the, the stat, um, per fantasy points, new data suite, which is pretty sweet. Um, so shout out to them. 16, 4.9% catchable target rate for Kyle Pitts. Second lowest among 169 wide receivers and tight ends with 150 plus routes. So, I mean, that's like almost 200, uh, you know, 150 plus routes, not a huge number. Pitts obviously didn't run a ton of routes either. He had the second lowest catchable target rate. Like a full third of his targets were uncatchable. That's Mm -hmm. part of why his efficiency was down, some of those things. Um, That's one of the stats. And and particularly the deep targets, as you mentioned, uh, Pat. I think Ian. And that's what he does. It's it's not just to say like, oh, you know, his deep targets. Like he is a deep threat, essentially. He's He's their deep threat. Which is also makes him interesting with Drake London as his counterpart because I'm very high on Drake London. Um, I think he, like, I, I just feel like I don't have to choose. I can just make the bet on both these guys. They both have awesome profiles. 
Um, things can can move my direction in terms of the regression with the passing plays and everything. But um, Drake London, I think, is more of an intermediate type player. He had an 11.2 ADOT. His profile was that he's going to come in and and be able to win with precise route running as a bigger body player in the intermediate area of the field. Like that was kind of his thing, mm-hmm. like a like a sort of a possession player with a bit of with a bit of pop. I mean, that's like a perfect complement for. Kyle Pitts is a deep yeah. threat, you know? Yeah. yeah. So anyway. To, to to just pulling out of the like the micro stuff on Pitts, because you guys don't have to sell me on him at all there. Like We're two selling things. The listeners. <laughs> one <laughs> uh one on, you know, just last night, the way my pros versus Joe's went. And like at first I was a little hesitant to do the like Andrews thing. And then the way the board came into where I was even like praying for Dolchich to get to me as like a second tight end. Like you realize, like you really start to sweat some bullets as much as we like the late tight ends this year, like getting even the guys that have some upside. Like I had my eye on Laporta and he flew off the board a little earlier. Like tight end drafters start to get itchy fingers there. And it is, it and if we get hard. another, yeah, it did. It did. If we get another value though, we could just take a second tight of end course. as well at any time. That's right? never precluded from, from doing two tight. Will ends. you pull up the percentages at tight end yeah. on you have the, we isolate tight end real quick before I know we got to, we got to out here pretty quick, but Pitts isn't. Competitive. Yes. You sub, have sub 10% you know for all the next four, or I guess Goddard's 11, but Kittle 1% Pitts 7% chance Waller 6% Goddard 11%. And then we would be looking then at like Friar Muth. Uh, it's more one that you wait for seven, eight on, but if he doesn't make it back to you at seven, eight, then you're like, Ooh, now we're, I mean, what, what are we, are we taking in Joku? Maybe he's already gone in the seventh as well. The fact that we have the long wait until that seven, because we wouldn't take Friar Muth at five, six. I think his ADPs are right around seven, eight. Right, exactly. This is right before we pick. Is this yeah. So we would be reaching at the five six if we wanted to do tight end, or more practically, getting our anchor running back at the five six if we don't go tight end here. Uh, and, and at which point, I mean, we're still we're probably still gonna want to take multiple tight end shots in the rounds ten to fourteen range, and also still needing to build out running back depth in the round ten to fourteen range. You know, yeah. I will say, I think I'm still Metcalf over pits if we okay. just get that if we get that value i mean i'm i i'm at peace with that that was kind of i'm okay opinion. with that the too. room gifts us four to dk metcalf which is gonna be pretty abnormal i'm i'm willing to take that I'm but there. then if metcalf isn't there like i think i just want let's just pits. take this let's just take for this. the structural reasons it's a huge reach but for the structural reasons it does it means we can avoid tight end if no other values come and hit the running backs that we need to hit as we start to build this sort of zero RB build and the receivers, right? Yeah, because we don't have an elite quarterback either, so it's just helpful. It's 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 not only our – I think the other times when we got in trouble with chasing players up the draft board or whatever, it was because we were often passing on better players at other positions just for the structural concern. But if we have both the structural concern and we think this is a very flat tier at wide receiver – and that these tight ends totally belong in a tight end premium format alongside them. I'm fine dancing around a tier for structural purposes. I mean, Pitts in, in non PP, non tight end premium. I'm looking at my projections right now. He's like 30 points behind these guys in tight end premium. I have that number. Kyle Pitts. I have projected for basically the same numbers. I mean, my projections projections are what they are. But basically the same number as Calvin Ridley. Basically the same number as DK Metcalf. They actually have him a little bit ahead of those two guys. Very slightly. Like five points ahead of those two 
in tight end premium. Now, my projection on Pitts is bullish, obviously. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Pitts bull. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, shocking. He, he has a 45% target share in my projections. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually have London for more targets. So it's not like it's not it's not that crazy bullish. It's it is bullish, but um because I have those two concentrated. I wrote a little bit about the RPO stuff. But you're not that I, bullish I have, on I mean, I, I would expect that you don't have a ton of passing attempts for the Falcons, right? No. No, I have pits at 118 targets. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's not like in, in tight end premium. And then I just have his, his efficiency regress some. A high A dot, right? The highest yep. A dot of any tight end that yep. I projected. And so then his yards per target is naturally, mm-hmm. even though I, it's not even close to the highest yards per target I projected for a tight end, but the high A dot pulls the yards per target up if he hits on some of those deep balls. And so, the, I mean, I think it's a very defensible projection is what I'm getting at. Um, 118 targets. 118 targets as a rookie. I think that's incredibly yeah. defensible. It's very defensible. And relative defensible. to my... My Ridley, DK, and this range of receivers, Jerry, Judy, all these guys are right in that range in my wide receiver projections. Like, I think there's a really decent case to be made that Pitts in tight end premium projects, you know, to the point of it being a flat tier, projects the same as these guys. Then he adds a structural advantage because he fills tight end, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. I have to run. Obviously, we are going to huddle uh, – personally, before we uh, submit this next pick, but I'm guessing next time you hear from us will be when we're on the clock or close to at 5.11. Seems like we are very much on board with DK Metcalf and Kyle Pitts. I guess this person double-tapping Metcalf and Kyle Pitts. Would oh, be that, would be, that would be, I mean, <laughs> that would be a really meltdown. Fun. Well yeah. done, 12. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you're brutal. listening to the audio version of these, we do make the video versions with the draft boards and the Rotoviz Command Center that we're looking at uh, available, as well as our pretty faces, uh, available to YouTube members there. Otherwise, appreciate uh, you guys following along in our FFPC mini series. We'll see you guys next time at the 5-6 turn. Peace.